Hi, I'm Stuart, and you probably don't know me, but I'm a sports announcer, a public address announcer to be exact. You know the people at games you hear but never see? Yeah, that's me. I've started a podcast. I call it the Obscure Ball Podcast. Each episode, we'll dive into a story that's, well, pretty obscure. Oh yeah, and it's related to sports. I explore the strange, the zany, the funny, the mysterious, and sometimes the criminal elements from the world of sports. For our maiden voyage, I thought it would be fun to take a look at the death of Big Ed Delahanty, a 19th century baseball player who died under really bizarre circumstances. But before we get started, just take a moment and check out my website at smallleagestude.com to learn more about me and my company, Small League Productions. In a nutshell, it's a digital production service that provides support for podcasters. Maybe you want to start a podcast, but aren't really sure where to begin. Or maybe you already have a bunch of really stellar content, but don't have time to edit audio, create RSS feeds, or any number of related tasks. That's where I come in. I like to use my skills and experience to help other podcasters realize their creative visions. Also, I do voiceovers for a wide array of cool projects. Kickstarter campaigns, animated explainers, radio ads, you name it, I've probably done it. So if you need help with your next project, check me out at smallinksdude.com. As a side note, I'll go ahead and leave a link in the description of this podcast. Now, let's start the show. I'm going to start this podcast off by saying something rather obvious. Home runs are kind of a big deal in baseball. It's true. Today we've got guys like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, and Chris Davis. Chris with a K. Though the other Chris Davis used to be good at home runs. And before any of these guys came along, there was Griffey, Bonds, and McGuire. Though I guess those last two guys get asterisks beside their names. And before that, there was Hank Aaron, the home run king. The true home run king. And before that, there was, of course, Babe Ruth, the first home run king. Well, one of the first anyway. What about the man he dethroned? I mean, who was hitting home runs before Babe Ruth, right? Meet Ed Delahanty. He was known by his peers as Big Ed. So with that in mind, we're just going to call him Big Ed in this podcast, because that sounds pretty cool. Though we'll probably call him Ed interchangeably. So Big Ed was really good at baseball, like Hall of Fame good. In his 16 Major League seasons beginning way back in 1888, he had a career batting average of 346 and clobbered 101 home runs, which during the dead ball era was pretty significant. I mean, people really just didn't hit home runs back then. But Ed did. He played for teams like the Philadelphia Phillies, the Washington Senators, and the Cleveland Infants. Yes, there was actually a team called the Infants back then. I mean, I don't know what inspired it, why someone would name a team the Infants, but they were the Cleveland Infants. They existed for a whopping one season, 1890 in the Players League. A short-lived but awesome league. Possibly a future topic of this podcast. But again, this guy was really good. He nearly won the Triple Crown in 1893 when he smashed the league-best 19 home runs and 146 RBIs while batting 368. If not for his own Philly teammates, Billy Hamilton and Sam Thompson, who managed to hit 380 and 370 respectively, he'd have won the Triple Crown, which that'd have been pretty wild. Big Ed was born in Cleveland, Ohio, October 30th, 1867, just as America was piecing itself back together after the Civil War. He was one of five siblings who played professional baseball. 
as his brothers Jim, Joe, Frank, and Tom all played in the bigs as well. So just as baseball is starting to become a thing, you can probably imagine these youngsters were all playing early versions of stickball or whatever kids did for fun back then aside from trying not to die from tuberculosis or something like that. By 1888, Ed was in the majors at just 20 years old. His rookie year was pretty solid. Nothing like Ken Griffey Jr. or Bryce Harper, or maybe more recently Ronald Acuna Jr., which, just a heads up, as a Braves fan, I'll probably find ways to reference that team whenever I can. So, I don't know, make of that what you will. Anyway, Ed was in the majors playing baseball, and things quickly took off. By 1893, that near triple crown season I just mentioned, he was terrorizing the league's pitching, swatting the league best 19 home runs, which, it's not an exact science, but think of it kind of like inflation. 19 home runs back then is probably like, I don't know, 40 today? I don't know. We'll figure it out. He also posted a slugging percentage of 583 and a batting average of 368. Now, to be fair, I don't really understand a lot of sabermetrics or anything like that. I mean, I know they're important. I get it, but I, I'm just not mathematically sound. So for the sake of efficiency, let's just assume they were really good by today's standards. That seems fair, right? He even became the second player to hit four home runs in one game, a feat he accomplished on July 3rd, 1896. Four dingers in one game. That's still a record today, though he's joined by 17 other players in that category. But he's still at the top. In 1902, he joined forces with the Washington Senators of the newly formed American League and just kept doing his thing. New league, same old Ed. Winning the 1902 batting title when he hit 376 for the year. Okay, so now we've established Big Ed was awesome at playing baseball, but he's not on this podcast for being good. He's on this podcast because of his bizarre and mysterious death. July 2nd, 1903. Ed died during the middle of the season, and here's what we know. He fell from the International Bridge into Niagara Falls and drowned, which in and of itself is super strange and leaves quite a few follow-up questions. Sadly, the rest is mostly speculation, but by playing detective, we can try to piece together what might have happened. Might being the operative word. And I guess this is as good of a time as any to point out that Big Ed was known for being a bit of a heavy drinker. And by that, I mean he was more or less a raging alcoholic. In fact, baseball at the time was seen as a rowdy culture of sorts. Gamblers, union disputes, and unruly players had tarnished the game's reputation, though the newly formed American League presented itself as a cleaner alternative to the rabble-rousers of the National League. Ed was not abiding by this standard, though, as he was apparently one of those unruly players. In fact, he didn't even like this new league he was now a part of. On that fateful July night, he was on a train that crossed over the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, and was supposedly going to the league office in New York to air some of his grievances. Based on first-hand accounts, he was being pretty awful on that ride. Drinking heavily, smoking cigars, smashing glass, just being an overall menace. The final straw, though, was when he tried to grab a woman by the ankles and pull her from her cabin. A big no-no. A group of fed-up train conductors finally booted him off the train, somewhere near the Canadian Buffalo border. When told to behave because he was still in Canada, which I don't even know what that means, he allegedly said, I don't care whether I'm in Canada or dead. In fact, he died minutes later. So was it a suicide? That's one theory anyway. 
And it's hard to say, but falling over the edge of Niagara Falls seems almost intentional. And researchers have unearthed some pretty disturbing anecdotes of his final days. Sports historian Mike Sowell's book, July 2nd, 1903, for example, revealed that he had drunkenly chased one of his teammates around a hotel with a baseball bat. I mean, that in and of itself is pretty wild, and seems like an interesting story unto itself. He also tried to auction off expensive jewelry belonging to his teammates, and even pulled out a knife and threatened to kill himself. By some accounts, he often threatened suicide because he was horribly in debt due to his gambling habit. So things obviously weren't going all that well with him and the senators, or inside his own mind for that matter. He was also supposedly trying to jump ship to the New York Giants, a baseball team in the National League at the time. In fact, he left his team during a series against the Detroit Tigers and was on a train from Detroit to New York when this whole thing happened. Though there have been some accounts that say he was actually traveling with his team when this happened, and that he had an altercation with a teammate on the train. But either way, you get the gist of the whole thing. He was ejected from the train around 10.45 that night and eventually fell into the waterfalls. So maybe he was a manic depressive drunk, unhappy with his career and mounting debt, and to him, the fix was to jump into Niagara Falls. That narrative makes sense in a depraved sort of way. But there's also evidence that this was simply just an accident. Based on research by Sowell and others, we know that the last person believed to see Ed alive was a watchman for the bridge named Sam Kingston. Based on his testimony, he saw Ed wandering around the bridge. When Kingston confronted the drunken ball player, he told him to move along or something probably really cliche like that. And that's when Ed supposedly muttered that thing about not caring whether he was in Canada or dead. Kingston claimed that Ed continued to be difficult, which is pretty believable at this point, and that he lunged at him. Ed was able to elude the watchman and disappeared into the night. Kingston at one point testified that he heard a splash, probably Ed falling into the water. Again, he was drunk well beyond comprehension, and the conditions were such that accidents were likely. So that's a plausible, albeit fairly boring scenario. Which, admittedly, yeah, it sounds pretty messed up that I'm rooting for something far worse. Which I guess sort of brings me to the next point. There's been speculation that foul play was involved, because why not? Vague accounts of mysterious figures lurking in the shadows add another layer of intrigue to this whole debacle. Now to be fair, this seems a little bit out there, and it's likely no one ever saw actual shadowy figures. But let's remember, this guy was a hardcore gambler, and not a very good one either, as his debts would suggest. So it's not crazy to think that maybe he owed money to some very dangerous people. So figuratively, yeah sure, there may have been some shady characters mixed up in this. But I guess that still begs the question, how would they know to find them at the bridge? Conspiracy? Okay, the conspiracy is going to be hard to prove. But, few people really seemed to like him at the time of his death. He'd made some serious enemies within the league office for attempting to jump ship back to the National League. Even his own wife wasn't all that crazy about him, as he was apparently a known womanizer, which sometimes involved grabbing sleeping women by their ankles. And if his behavior on the train that night was indicative of how he acted during his drinking binges, then most strangers probably hated him too. I mean, any detective working on this case would have several leads to start with. But for our purposes, let's start with that Sam Kingston fella I mentioned a little bit ago. You know that watchman who supposedly was the last person to see him alive? His role in this is actually pretty important beyond just being the last person to see him alive. He thinks he heard a man fall into the water, 
but supposedly didn't report this incident until the next day, and it was even longer before anyone knew that Ed was the person who fell in. For days, no one knew that he was dead. They just figured he was off on a drinking binge, which is partially true. So here you have this guy whose job it is to watch the bridge and presumably report anything out of the ordinary, which I think would include drunks falling into a massive waterfall and probably dying. But he waited to tell anyone what happened. It just really doesn't make any sense. And then to make everything even more confusing, Kingston allegedly changed his version of events a few times, which is pretty shady. For example, at one point, he claimed that during their altercation, Ed wielded a lump of coal as his weapon of choice. Now, A, there was no coal to be found in the area, and B, who just walks around with a lump of coal in case they get in a fight. So if we want to be conspiratorial, which we totally do, this seems rather fishy. So the ensuing investigation proved fruitless, and the popular theory at the time was that there was an unidentified man who had fallen off the bridge, and Ed was still missing at this point believed to be on a serious drinking binge. It took everyone a few days to piece the puzzle together. The manager of the Pullman car company, who owned the train Ed was booted from, found his bag among other unclaimed items. He found his cleats and team passbook, so he put two and two together. Then, on July 9th, a full week after all of this insanity, a body was found floating near the base of Niagara Falls. According to Dan Holmes of Baseball Egg, Ed's corpse was pretty disfigured. The force of the waterfall had pretty much ripped off all of his clothes, and floating around dead for seven days probably does weird things to the body, things we probably don't even want to imagine. But a team official was able to identify him, Then his brother Frank confirmed that the floating corpse was indeed Big Ed, and the blame was officially placed on the railway. In fact, Ed's widow, Noreen, won a lawsuit and was granted $5,000. But Frank wasn't so sure. For one thing, as the story from Baseball Egg points out, Ed's tie was still on when they found his body, but his fancy rings that he was supposedly wearing at the time were gone. The obvious response would be that the force of a huge waterfall probably jostled the rings off. But, soon after Ed's body was found, another body was found under the same waterfall. The exact same waterfall. It was the corpse of a local farmer, who was missing about $1,500 he was known to have with him at the time. Could the International Bridge just have been a popular spot for thieves? Could Big Ed really have been that unlucky? I don't know. And honestly, we solved pretty much nothing on this podcast. I'm just a guy with a microphone and some editing software, and enough free time to do something like this. But we can now submit a few theories that really aren't that crazy. Ed could have committed suicide after a night of drinking and a string of really bad luck. Or maybe he slipped and fell off the bridge in a weird tussle. But why was Kingston so coy about his encounter? Maybe Ed fell off the bridge after a confrontation with Kingston and he just didn't want to cop to it. And maybe he was murdered. Possibly by debt collectors or thieves, or as Frank suggested, possibly by league officials wanting to silence one of the game's biggest liabilities from within. Okay, not likely, but it's a theory to work with. Despite his weird way of dying, Ed leaves an impressive, albeit seldom-discussed legacy on the game. He joins Roger Hornsby as one of just two players to hit 400 at least three times. His 346 batting average is fifth all-time in Major League history, and he also stole 455 bases. Big Ed was finally inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1945, well after his death. While he'll never be a household name, 
he might have helped shape the game of baseball into the sport we know and love today. Oddly enough, my personal favorite part of this legacy lies in a song by The Baseball Project, an indie rock supergroup featuring the likes of R.E.M.'s Peter Buck, Craig Finn from The Hold Steady, and Ben Gibbard of Death Cab, just to name a few. They made a punk-driven ballad about his death titled The Death of Big Ed Delahanty. It's pretty awesome, and you should listen to it if you get some time. Anyway, I thought really hard about a clever way to end this episode, but I think Ed's own biographer said it best with this quote. Delahanty personified the flamboyant, exciting, spectator favorite, the Casey at the Bat Irish slugger, the handsome masculine athlete who was expected to live as large as he played. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe or follow this if you want. And if you have any suggestions for topics for the show, drop me a message. I'm all ears. Until next time, this has been the Obscure Ball Podcast.